This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of July 27th, 2019. ABM Bev sells Australian holdings for 11.3 ballast points. Missouri bourbon exists. Legally, I guess. Beam Suntory can rebuild. They can make it faster, stronger, drunker than it was before. And a match made in divorce heaven. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser, And I'm Christopher Walker. Let's get right into it. Uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev to sell their Australian business to the Ashai Group Holdings for $11.3 billion. Or that's 11.3 ballast points. Ballast points. I think we're just going to replace uh, a billion with ballast point from here on out. Yeah. So after a week after pulling back from a planned IPO of its Asia-Pacific operations, Anheuser-Busch InBev announced today that 11.3 ballast point deal to sell its Australian subsidiary Carlton and United Breweries to Ashai Group Holdings. Transaction pending wait. regulatory approval is expected to close by the first quarter of 2020. Wait, 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 wait. The Fresh Prince's cousin had uh, <laughs> got sold? Apparently. Apparently started a brewery in uh, Asia Pacific. It's the only Carlton I could think of, sorry. <laughs> According to AB InBev, the value of the deal reflects an implied multiple of 14.9 times EBITDA. EBITDA. E- yeah. EBITDA? E- EBITDA. EBITDA. That's how you say it. E- EBITDA not going to work here anymore. EBITDA? Est- um, EBITDA. Estimate before income taxes and amortization. Well done. well done. Well done. I can't remember it all the time, but that's what it is. It's even we. Have, it's a yeah. It's a thing. It's AB's a decision word. to divest itself of Carlton and United Breweries comes one week after it pulled what was expected to be the biggest initial public offering of 2019, commanding as much as 9.8 ballast points for a minority <laughs> stake in its Asia Pacific subsidiary, Budweiser Brewing Company (APAC) Limited on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. This also comes a day after the Wall Street Journal reported that ABM Bev was exploring asset sales of business units in Australia, South Korea, Guatemala, and Honduras in an effort to cut its 100 ballast point debt <laughs> load incurred through its 2016 mega brew merger with Saab Miller. Man, I, I forget that they spent so much money to buy that, and I feel... Like it's not really paid off like they were hoping. No. So right yeah. now they are trying to get some crap off of themselves. Uh, in a press release announcing the transaction, ABM Bev said uh, substantially all of the proceeds from the sale would go toward paying down debt. Uh, once the transaction closes, ABM Bev said it would be able to uh, accelerate its expansion into other fast-growing markets in the APAC region and globally while also creating value for shareholders. The divestiture also doesn't close the door on a future IPO for AB InBev's Asia-Pacific business, excluding Australia. AB InBev said it would also consider an IPO if it gets the right valuation. 
seems like they were not getting the right valuation before. They did not. Uh, it seemed like nobody was buying. Hmm. We continue to see the great potential for our business in APAC, and the region remains a growth engine within our company. ABM Bed CEO Carlos Brito said in a press release, uh, with our unparalleled portfolio of brands, strong commercial plans, and talented people, we are uniquely positioned to capture opportunities for growth across the APAC region. Uh, sure. <laughs> for its part, Ashai said the acquisition of the Carlton United Breweries created a third core business pillar to go along with its business units in Japan and Europe. Ashai also uh, pointed to substantial economic growth in Australia, where the company already sells brands such as Ashai, Ashai Super Dry, uh, Paroni, and Pilsner Urquell. Carlton United I keep forgetting they own Pilsner Urquell. Yeah. yeah. Carlton and United Breweries portfolio of brands, uh, including Carlton and Great Northern, is highly profitable with EBITDA, margin over 40%, the company added, uh, including the transaction of Ashai. Uh, yeah, included in the transaction of Ashai is the rights to sell ABM Bev's portfolio of global and international brands, including Budweiser, Stella Artois, and Corona, outside of the U.S., in Australia. Uh, Ashai has been an active acquirer in 2019. The Tokyo-based company announced a $327 million deal to acquire the beer and cider business of London-based Fuller, Smith, and Turner in January. I did not know that one. Okay, so I found it because it's, it's, I don't know why I can never remember the entire thing. Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. EBITDA. Okay, I'm just going to leave that there. Okay. <laughs> it was going to bug me. Not valid in Maine, Massachusetts, or Puerto Rico. <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, you know, it, it does, this, this, this whole story just strikes me as ABM Bev overspent. Well, maybe they're not necessarily overspent, but they had, uh, they didn't get they're having they some they're having some liquidation issues yeah. also i mean um i can't remember what it could be but uh the Saab miller thing could also be interfering there they might have to divest some of these brands internationally because of that merger mm. because Saab miller may have had a giant stake in some stuff in that region so they have to to keep from having a monopoly might have to you know be forced legally to divest of it possible but there's you know, a lot of businesses will over time just go, well, this is not making quite the money we want for it, but we can make it lean, mean, and give it to somebody else. And so yeah. looks like looks like plan B was try to un- unload some of this. And th- this made them more money than they were going to make for from the IPO, at least initially. Yes, so. uh, they did come out better, but it was kind of just like a slap in the face that the IPO didn't go anywhere. So this Meanwhile, was like a last I- second deal. Meanwhile, Sai looks like they're going to be the new. Uh, uh, they're they're stretching their their acquiring muscles, mm. flexing a little bit. They had to get that ooh that buyout flex going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're gonna mm. buy ABM Bev. Look at that. Uh. Speaking of things people don't want to buy. <laughs> yep. Nope. Right on. That 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 did it. <laughs> uh. Apparently, there is a legal definition for Missouri bourbon, which you can have bourbon out, outside of Kentucky, but I still don't know why you would want to. Uh, legal definition being that it's filtered through the urinal. <laughs> that is untrue. 
Well, Missouri, uh, this is from uh, Whiskey Advocate saying Missouri has joined the ranks of Kentucky and Tennessee with a measure to declare specific rules for its own style of whiskey. The hell they have. <laughs> They've made specific rules for making our style of whiskey. Yeah, in this case, it's bourbon. According to House Bill two, uh, 266, uh, signed on Thursday, July 11th, any whiskey labeled as a Missouri bourbon must not only meet the federal standards for bourbon, but also must be mashed, fermented, distilled, aged, and bottled within the state, aged in oak barrels manufactured in the state, and beginning January 1st, 2020, made with corn exclusively grown in the state. The law will go into effect August 28th. Uh, this The Missouri Craft Distillers Guild, which was formed in 2018, now has 35 members, pushed the measure heavily. Uh, the whole point was uh, of the bill was to tie agricultural and tourism together in Missouri. It says uh, Dan Goshen, owner of the Copper Mule Distillery and a member of the guild, being able to make high-class bourbon. Ugh. And, uh, sorry, the groan was out of quote. Back to the quote. Uh, and make it truly a Missouri product, not just made in Missouri, but from Missouri's raw materials. Uh, Being cow pies. <laughs> like the unfortunate thing is, this just reminds me of the Kentucky Proud thing, and I'm like, we don't really have room to talk. <laughs> we do have room to talk. We actually make bourbon. Yeah. I, I, yes, but it, it, the branding bit of it, really. Uh, okay. In all honesty, bourbon can come from anywhere in the in the U.S. It's fine. <laughs> You can you can make your own versions. There's the other requirements that it, it has plenty of other requirements that have to happen it, in order for it to yeah, be bourbon. This yeah, this one feels a little weird because you have to make sure it's only from this stuff from here. Which, in fairness, if we had uh, nipped this stuff in the bud earlier, we wouldn't be having this problem. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. Uh, if we had just made a law like this and just made that not just Kentucky bourbon, but just bourbon. Right. Then everything would be fine. Uh, I bet they regret that now. <laughs> well, uh, one of the other craft distiller members says, we've been waiting with bated breath and excitement for this. All of the distilleries in the guild have been calling their reps, traveling to Jefferson City, where the capital is, and been trying really hard to get this passed. So we had a brief moment of celebration as we tried to scramble to put down more Missouri bourbon whiskey. Uh, if If this stuff is fine... It won't be good, but it'll be fine. Then, you know, they can continue continue making it. <sighs> okay, part of me just really loves the, the being snobby about, about bourbon, okay? I can't, I can't help it. We, we don't have, you know, our, our, our representation is Mitch McConnell. We have an arc and, for no and, reason. And Paul Ryan. Yeah. And not Paul Ryan. Uh, Rand Paul, Rand sorry. Paul. Got it does, the, does it really matter? Uh, <laughs> wrong Paul. Uh, it, it's, RuPaul. <laughs> if only. Um, I'm just saying, give us, l- let us keep the bourbon. Let us, let us have this. Give us something, <laughs> damn it. Uh, uh, an unusual part of the new legislation is the requirement to use Missouri oak barrels. No other whiskey in the world puts a restriction on the origin of the wood used for maturation. Uh, but Missouri is home to an abundance of white oak trees. Uh, the state is uh, one of the top suppliers of oak to the bourbon uh, industry nationwide. Huh. I didn't know that. Huh. So that's a... Appalachian that is very easy to come by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it has was, to be Missouri white oak. And everyone looks like, around, they're like, 80% done. of the white oak's coming from Missouri anyway. All right. Yeah. I think I knew, for whatever reason, that Missouri had a lot of white oak there. I don't 
I, there had to have been some weird museum tour I took at some point in my life that involved them telling me where they they cut something down to get the wood for it. So I'm like, sure. I wonder if that was in that neat uh, documentary. I feel mm. it does sound familiar. Hmm. Maybe. Okay. Uh, but oh no, yeah. it's the uh, the documentary we linked to on the website uh, with about uh, Bourbon County. Oh, that's what it was about. Bourbon yes, County yes. brand stout, like they do a the whole making the barrels cooperage like thing on there, and they go to a cooperage right, right where they're making the barrels, right, and it's in Missouri. Well, so let's let's talk about actual bourbon. <laughs> that make me feel better. Let's, let's move it back let's to go, Kentucky. Let's come back home. Like, granted, we're mm-hmm. talking about peanuts, but <laughs> oh, I mean, okay, fair. By the way, uh, I will say one last note about this, though. I. Uh, I, I, I'm willing to drink it. I'm willing to drink your Missouri bourbon. I'll try it, yeah. I mean, it's still bourbon, I'll technically. Try it. I mean, <laughs> I've I've had roasted peanuts, so... Should, right. should we refer to the uh, Jim Beam disaster as, like, uh, the great peanut roast peanut. of 2019? <laughs> Can we please? I don't know. Maybe... I kind of want to just start calling Jim Beam... Uh, 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 I don't know. There's a Jimmy Carter joke here somewhere. I'll get there. <laughs> okay. It, it'll come. It'll hit there somewhere in the middle of the story. If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, try some just plain Jane Jim Beam. It tastes like peanuts. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of which, <laughs> so uh, Beam Suntory is building new craft distillery in Kentucky. So uh, this is from Frankfurt, uh, the company behind the world's top-selling bourbon, Jim Beam. Sadly, top selling bourbon uh, is Look, pouring. You put out that much volume, you're gonna yes. That's, that volume that's fair. at that price point, it's gonna sell. And that distribution as well. Uh, it's pouring tens of millions of dollars into a new Kentucky distillery to boost production of craft whiskeys. Beam Suntory executives broke ground Thursday for the production facility at their flagship bourbon distilling operation in Claremont. It's part of a $60 million investment that includes raising Beam's profile by upgrading, quote, the visitor's experience at Claremont as bourbon tourism grows. Uh, The company is looking to build on the momentum of its super premium craft brands, which have experienced double-digit yearly growth. The bulk of sales are in the U.S. Uh, Craft brands? Okay. Um, (laughs) We felt this was the time now to really elevate our commitment to premiumization. Okay. Uh, innovation <laughs> and also, edu- I was like, I don't think that's a word. Basically, they're going to um, pull. It's, it, it, shows a, it showed up in, the, in research for uh, uh, the, the main show oh, okay. uh, today that's, as well. So th- that's it new. is <laughs> technically a word, but I had the same thought of like. That's, a, that's not real. That's, <laughs> it, so to me, this sounds like they're uh, pulling a Heaven Hill. Like they see what Heaven Hill's been doing and they are just like, you know what? We're just going to take that as a roadmap and we're going to follow suit because Heaven Hill getting ready to, I think they just opened or it's getting ready to open like this multi-million dollar visitor center at their right. uh, mm-hmm. main campus. Yeah, and it's, right. it's supposed to be something to see from the drawings I had, I've seen. It looks like it'll be gorgeous. And I want to get down there. there. Still, like, yeah, but uh, investing a crap ton in a big visitor center to draw in the tourists. And then they've also like this whole, I wouldn't be surprised to see Beam Suntory uh, yanking all their quote unquote craft brands and they're like the stuff people actually want, not the peanuts. Mm. Um, start yanking that stuff off shelves and then reintroducing it a year later with like some like add a year to the age statement right. and double or triple the price like Heaven Hill's been doing. Maybe, yeah. 
Um, they do bring up, of course, the uh, the elephant in the room of uh, the the warehouse. Oh, you mean the giant yeah. chemical spill that uh, yeah. that killed a thirty mile stretch of Kentucky waterways? Yes. So that's okay. You have a new visitor center now. The fish will live. <laughs> Well, so they bring up the recent storage warehouse fire uh, that destroyed about 45,000 barrels of aging whiskey, had minimal impact on the company's upward trajectory, uh, Beam Centauri plans an exhaustive review of its warehouse to look for ways to reduce risks and minimize environmental damage if fires occur. I would hope that you would have done that before now, but uh, it's warehouse. Well, you know, they thought they had done enough, and clearly they hadn't. Yeah. Because really no, um, that's there is like a legal thing that when they build these warehouses now, they have to build uh, big sub basements that can hold uh, the volume of liquid that is stored above it. So should the warehouse collapse, the liquid will gather there and won't seep out. So I love that whoever wrote this article. It's from it's from AP, but it's it says its warehouses have lightning protection and sprinkler systems. Lightning sparked the recent fire. <laughs> Just take a second on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, the new craft distillery will be named for Beam Master Distiller Fred No, um, who's 62, the great grandson of Jim Beam, and the seventh generation distiller to carry on the family's whiskey making tradition. His father, famed distiller Booker, Booker No, was a pioneer in, cr- in crafting small batch bourbons, creating by Sorry, created by mixing the contents of a relatively small number of selected barrels. I'm just picturing though, like with this last name, it's just like they're they're doing something wrong. Booker, no. <laughs> <laughs> there is an e at the end of it, at least. But yeah, yeah, this mm-hmm. is not helping. So I want to get like a hound dog and name it Booker. Booker, no. Okay, if you've ever seen Booker, no, like he just he's a large man. Like he <laughs> deserves to have a hound dog named after him. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Um, so it says the new distillery is going to become the production home for small batch bourbons like Booker's and Baker's. Uh, it will also produce Little Book, a whiskey created by No's son, Freddie. Uh, it should have been should have been called Candlestick Maker. <laughs> Booker, Baker. Yep. Candlestick Maker. Fair enough. Uh, it's also where the Beam team will work on new fermentation and distillation techniques, reflecting the industry's push for new flavors and offerings. The top-selling Jim Beam brand is produced at Claremont and another distillery nearby. So are other su- uh, super premium brands, such as Knob Creek, Basil Hayden's, and uh, Legend? Legend? I don't know if that's correct or not. Um, so uh, they said they... In- plan to invest more than $500 million each year to make bourbon in Kentucky. Beam's investment, its largest at Claremont in the past decade, comes as Kentucky's U.S. senators push for a tax code change to support the bourbon sector's growth. Mm. One of the uh, things we can actually get behind on that one. Um, the Kentucky senators uh, said it's comparable to a homeowner not being able to deduct the interest on a home mortgage until the house is sold. I, I guess, yeah. Um, it says Beam's expansion comes amid an overall $2.3 billion building uh, boom among members of the Kentucky Distillers Association, according to the group. The projects include new and expanded production facilities, more warehousing and bottling lines, and new and expanded tourism centers. Kentucky produces about 95% of the world's bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there. <laughs> 
uh, and I didn't realize Beam Centauri is actually headquartered in Chicago. It says. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, which is a subsidiary of a Japanese company. That's uh, so, uh, <laughs> and that's where we're all going at some point. <laughs> so there's really, I think, how how many of the big bourbon companies are actually headquartered in Kentucky? It's like Heaven Hill, and that's it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Beam Centauri's in Chicago. Uh, what's their name that own Buffalo Trace is down in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Like it's well, and, and Maker's Market says here is is owned by their uh centauri so. yeah <laughs> so that's that's the bulk of them right there. well i mean there was yeah because there was that period of time where japan just came in and started buying up Everybody. you know Everybody's like oh look bourbon <laughs> we'll take that yeah well, we'll also take hmm. some uh cheese it's and wine yeah yeah if you didn't think we were going <laughs> to talk about this story then you were crazy <laughs> then, then you don't know us very well Mm-hmm. Uh, pulling this from USA Today in a move that will have you say why didn't this happen sooner Kellogg Company has partnered with a wine manufacturer to develop a boxed combination that contains its beloved cheese snack alongside a popular red wine mm-hmm. cheese it wine <laughs> it's not cheese it flavored wine although although I would, I would buy all of I would, that I would drink that I don't know if I'd like it but Maybe? I'd try it I mean, it's going to be better than ruin them. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the hope of getting people excited about his Cheez-It brand, Kellogg partnered with House Wine to create a dual-side uh, Cheez-It box that's selling online for $25. Jesus. Uh, also, it's a good name for a company that's uh, that's making boxed wine. House, House Wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for a limited time... Uh, Customers can purchase the snack and boozy beverage combo starting at 5 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, January uh, sorry July 25th. So it's already up. Uh, House Wine's website on House Wine's website. It will be around for as long as supplies last. Someone's got to check. Uh, is there any of this left? I'm, I'm going now. Okay. We so, are thrilled to partner with House Wine to combine their exp- uh, expertise in America's uh, fa- favorite 100% real cheese snack into one portable box, said Jeff Dillian's uh, senior marketing director for Kellogg's U.S. snack division in so a statement. You jumped over the best part of this, the fact that on USA Today's website, like their their algorithm kind of <laughs> picks other things and randomly shoves <laughs> them in the middle of, their, of the story <laughs> for ads to be like, hey, these are also related and so we're also for $25, Uber's new test drives will deliver you and rent you a scooter. Yes. Deliver yeah. dinner and rent scooters. And also, divorce stinks. These seven apps can help coordinate and communicate with your ex. So they're like, no, if you're looking at buying a box <laughs> of boxed wine plus Cheez-Its, you're divorced. <laughs> they're like, there's only one explanation for your interest so in this. You were recently divorced and you... <laughs> If you go to the the original House Wine website, the the big thing on the on the main screen, we're officially sold out. Oh. Yeah. So you cannot buy them anymore. Damn. Maybe you maybe you got them though. I really uh, want wine flavored Cheez-Its now. I mean, we never did the uh, wine and Pringles cans. I'm just saying that there are, you know, you do cheese and wine, so why not Cheez-Its? And I don't, it just seems cheaper. I don't need another reason to get to buy Cheez-Its. I already have a problem. Like, <laughs> Look, a lot of uh, snack crackers and chips uh, paired with wine nowadays. You know, the, the whole Pringles thing. Now we got Cheez-Its. Mm-hmm. 
What what is with this? It's I don't know, but that seems like an affordable. Uh, yeah, it just makes sense. Really. Affordable party. <laughs> uh, so, you know what else you can bring to an affordable party? Some white claw. The claw. I was just like, damn it! Why don't I have that sound ready? We should. <laughs> so. Claw. Forget pool tables and trivia. At this bar, or at this Arizona bar, drinkers entertain themselves by playing a unique game machine. Located in Scottsdale, El Jefe recently introduced a White Claw Claw Game Machine. You know the ones you see in bowling alleys, the famous uh, alien claw scene in Toy Story. Uh, You saved our lives. We are eternally grateful. (laughs) El Jefe uh, collaborated with White Claw to create the interactive machine for fans of the sport. Spiked seltzer brand, of which uh, now is the point we need to come out and say they have won the hard seltzer game. I'm pre- yeah, they are. Uh, they down. are becoming ubiquitous. Yeah, it is. It's one of those. They uh, had it at the pool party today that we went to. <laughs> it's everywhere. I, I There's people. social media. Like they're they're in, just like I don't know. They're part of the urban culture now. Is white? Uh, if you think hard seltzers, I, you're thinking White Claw. I came in from work and saw a small can near the the entrance to like the stairwell to get up to my apartment and i from like 20 feet out i went that's a white claw can yeah couldn't even see the label i went that's white claw like i get a little closer i look at it i go yep yep people just drinking them setting them down wherever now to be fair you live in that kind of neighborhood now You'd probably find uh, boxed wine also sitting. <laughs> <laughs> Cheez-Its and boxed wine, maybe. Mm. There's just one downside to this. Uh, if you do manage to get your claws on a white claw, uh-huh. the can will be empty because the bar is not allowed to offer self-serve drinks. Drinkers uh-huh. do, however, receive a discount on the popular hard seltzer when they buy it from the bar. The response so far has been amazing, uh, said Robin Moore, director of communications for the bar's parent company. The game has been so popular, in fact, that El Jefe uh, has run out of cans on multiple occasions. The bar now plans to introduce an identical machine at its Tempe, Arizona location. I like to imagine the claw has like sharp ends. If it was filled with you know hard seltzer, just <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's empty. <laughs> That would that would be the greatest thing, so that you're playing like a timing game as to whether can or not there's get, anything can left. Can you get it and there still be? <laughs> so you'd have to try and pierce the cans at the top to try and make mm-hmm. sure there was something left in it by the time it dropped it. It, it added a, a new level. Speaking of a new level. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that for this. Um, <laughs> uh, so... Boba, something. Yeah, boba beer. So I think you're going to have to pause. So boba is a bubble tea. Which mm-hmm. Not what you would think of with that word. Um, like, like it's carbonated tea. Yeah, with yeah. a little like pearl thing. They, they, they're just called like drink pearls. Yeah. Um, Wait, is it actually carbonated? I was just making a joke. No, they are. Are they? Oh. I, I think so, to make the... Make the pearls know. float around. I, I don't know. Anyway, it, uh, it lends itself that we know so little. Maybe we need to do a main episode. Maybe. Boba. Um, so it's become quite the craze in recent years. So much so that one beer chain has decided to start offering its very own boba beer. Based in Malaysia, 
The Beer Factory merged booze and boba to create its boba beer series. Not fun to say. The company announced the launch on Facebook, describing it as the matchmake of the century. The series features Maker, four... Matchmaker, make me a match. <laughs> find me a fun. Catch, catch me a catch. catch. Wow. Sorry. Uh, the series features four unique flavor combos. Butter beer made with Kirin... Ichiban. Ichiban, sure. Uh, Guinness milkshake made with Guinness. Strawberry lime cider made with apple fox cider. And watermelon beer made with tiger beer, which I'm sure is like a Malaysian thing. Yeah. Uh, if this unique offering is making your mouth water, you'll have to head to Malaysia to taste it. But don't sleep on buying that ticket. The release is available for a limited time only, which, sure. Um, I do have to say, though, the strawberry lime cider sounds completely fine to me. <laughs> so why? Here's my question. Why is Disney's Star Wars location, like their theme park stuff? Not doing, uh, not doing boba tea called, you know, boba fett. Fett. Yeah. It's oh. your boba fett. I don't know. And you oh. serve it in like, a commemorative slave one cup. Ball dropped by okay. Disney. So okay, so boba, if you look it up, is bubble tea. That's what it comes up as. It is a Taiwanese tea-based drink. Um, it was actually invented in the 1980s. The recipe contains tea of some kind, doesn't matter what kind of tea it is, uh, flavors of milk and sugar. And then the toppings are called pearls, uh, such as chewy tapioca balls. Um, and they're made uh, popping boba, fruit jelly, glass, grass jelly, agar jelly, and puddings are often added. That doesn't sound good at all. No. <laughs> That's to the little, like, pearl things, but... I'm, I'm going to say that... Uh, Boba deserves a full episode. We they need definitely to, do. Yeah. We need to get into this, see where it came from, because it has been, for a few years, it's been a thing at, uh, like, or at least the pearls have been a thing at theme parks mm-hmm. into drinks. Like, they'll do, uh, they love to do dry ice at the bottom of the glass, like a thin bit, and put those pearls in there, so when you dump a beverage in, suddenly those pearls are flying all over inside. They the will glass. not be hot beverages at that point, though. They're going to be cold. They will be. I don't think you can do uh, a hot boba drink because the pearls will melt. Because mm. they are yeah. consumable. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm now excited for our episode on boba that we haven't and even planned yet. hot beverages booze the idea of boba. At <laughs> yeah. the very least, it not being hot. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's carbonated. She's not. Well, okay, not, that actually didn't say it was carbonated. So we, it is, may not be. Again, not we be. don't know. This may be a There's whole a thing. Lo- there are no knowns and unknown knowns and unknown unknowns. Exactly. And you'll have to tune in to that episode when yes. we find out. But we would like to remind everyone right now that this is our news only show, as we've alluded to. Uh, but we do a weekly long form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And we will see you again next weekend for the next live episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We will see you next time. (laughs) Bye.
Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>